episode 34, Jillian Bennett. So I think what people believe is that you have to go all in on like a program or a diet, but really what you need to do and what's going to be most helpful is if you go all in on yourself, because that's going to be flexible. That's not going to be static. You're listening to the Taylor Fit Wellness Podcast, where we explore wellness topics from A to Z so that we can take an active approach to improving our quality of life. I'm so excited to have Jillian Bennett here with us today. Thank you so much for joining us. Jillian, how are you? I'm great, Francis. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. I'm looking forward to our conversation. I would love it if you would let us know a little bit more about you and how you came to do what you do so we can just hear your story a little bit. Yeah, definitely. So how I got started doing what I do now is is really growing up. Like I, so I am basically a recovered binge drinker. I used to smoke cigarettes. I didn't eat vegetables until I was 20 years old. I didn't start exercising until I was in college. So all of these things that, you know, people meet me now and they're like, wait, what? And honestly, like I started doing what I do now sort of partly because I had this change in my habits over the course of many years. And so it wasn't like one day I woke up and I was like, I'm going to start eating healthy and I'm going to, you know, completely change my life around. It was little by little. I took tiny little steps to change the way that I treated myself and to learn how to trust myself. And so I work with clients now essentially to teach them how to trust themselves, how to trust their own bodies. And, and the way that I got here was like very long and convoluted. Um, just briefly, like, it, you know, I, I used to compete in Olympic weightlifting. I am a level three CrossFit trainer. I used to teach boot camps, at kettlebell boot camps, and did a little bit of personal training. Um, but nutrition and mindset is really what grabbed me. And I, I actually did my first nutrition certification, my first health coach certification over 10 years ago. And, and I didn't really know what I was going to do with it, but I was like, this, I am drawn to this. This is important to me. And so that sort of over the course of many years brought me here to where I am now. And I work, as I said before, I work with individuals to help them trust themselves in their bodies. And I do that through helping them create healthier habits with food because we, we spend so much time like battling ourselves and putting these rules around what we can and can't eat in order to look a certain way. And it's just like, it ends up being like quicksand. It's like the harder we try to get out of it, the harder we try to like, quote unquote, improve ourselves, the worse we start to feel. It's like we put ourselves in this labyrinth, like on purpose to try to help ourselves but then we're hurting ourselves really. Um, Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah. And I I think a lot of it just comes from like a sense of urgency because a lot of the time we don't look to make changes until we're already really deep down a rabbit hole. And so it's like, you don't start trying to change your eating habits when you realize like, oh, I've gained a pound or, or, oh, I've had, you know, a crazy week at work and, you know, I haven't been maintaining, like I haven't been eating vegetables. Like that's not when you start to make changes. You start to make change. Like people start to make changes when they're like really knee deep and like, oh my gosh, like something is going on with my body, whether it's a health issue, whether it's a weight, you know, they're not comfortable with their weight. Um, there's all of these reasons why people start making changes, but they're never when the problem starts, it's already when the problem has gotten like really far down the road. And so even though we, we like intellectually, 
actually know that we didn't end up where we are like over the course of a week. We sort of expect that the solution will be faster than the problem developed. And I think that that's where we get ourselves into trouble. And that's where, you know, you see like all of this marketing, like body transformation marketing. Um, you see like marketing for all of these like very extreme diets where people love that idea but the reality of it is it ends up being like that hamster wheel of like i'm going to get started but i can't ever get off right and when we beat ourselves up too right oh yeah yeah you could talk a little bit about mindset ditching this like sort of restrictive or maybe let's back up a little bit just a little bit more to your story you mentioned where you came from And then you went into a super duper focused athletic phase where my understanding is that from that place, it was like the before and after. And then now there's a different place that's like after the after that's even better than the after. Does that make sense? Totally. Yeah. So you hit the nail on the head because I think, you know, what happened is kind of a turning point for me was like, I remember being in college and being like, oh my gosh, like none of my pants fit. Like I don't feel good about myself. The only time that I felt like attractive was when I was drunk because I just didn't care anymore. And, and so through, so I started making these little, these little habit changes without really knowing where I was going with it. And so I definitely saw my body change. I saw my energy change, like my health changed over the course of a few years. But then I started getting even more, like I I dug even deeper into like the fitness realm. And that's when I started competing in Olympic weightlifting and that, um, so I live in Barcelona. I kind of forgot to mention that I'm, I'm, I'm American, but I live in Barcelona. Um, and so when I moved to Barcelona, that was about seven years ago or maybe, Yeah, I guess it was about seven years ago. Um, And I had already like done some CrossFit. I had already done a ton of yoga. Like I was definitely more of like a quote unquote fitnessy type person. Um, But I had never really delved into the world of like dieting. I'd always just eaten, you know, fairly healthy because I had my health coaching certification. I understood nutrition, but I never ate really for performance or for aesthetics. I just ate for health. And, um, and then when I started, when I I got to Barcelona and I started uh, training at a CrossFit gym, and taking Olympic weightlifting classes. And the Olympic weightlifting coach saw me and was like, hey, like, are you going to stay in Spain or are you going to leave Spain? I was like, I don't know. I, I have no idea. Um, and he was like, well, do you want to join our, our team? Um, and I was like, oh, yeah, cool. Nobody's ever asked me to join a team before. Um, and so I ended, up do, I ended up competing in a weight, Olympic weightlifting. And for that, that's a weight class sport. And so in order to compete, you need to fit into a certain weight class. And so that was my first understanding of like, hey, the number that you weigh is not okay. Um, And so I started to diet for that weight class. Like I started to diet down to get into the weight class in which I was supposed to compete in. And that turned into like a downward spiral of obsessing over my body, um, really, really restrictive dieting, like even being scared of things like fruit, where sometimes when I think about it, I just have to laugh because it's just ridiculous. Like I had this belief that, that fruit was too high in sugar. Um, but I would then on the other side, like eat all kinds of like protein powders and like, like protein things and like, you know, was like farting all the time because my digestion was shot from all the protein stuff. <laughs> Not to say protein is bad, but I was overdoing it. Um, and, and that sort of led to a, a solid couple of years where I lost my period. 
Um, I was very low body fat percentage for uh, a woman, even though I quit Olympic weightlifting, I still wanted to continue to see myself really lean. Um, and, and also not to mention in this, I'm sure we'll talk about later is that outside, like the outside, uh, not admiration, but just like the outside opinions of people being like, oh, like you're, you know, you look like this or, oh, I want your abs or, oh, like, how did you lose? And, and so you get this like constant feedback of like, oh, what I'm doing is positive, even though like something inside of you is like, I can't even go out to eat to dinner with my friends because I'm worried that I can't track the food that I don't, I don't, I'm worried that I don't know how many calories are in it. And so you have on one side, like society telling you, like you're doing everything right because your body is supposed to be smaller. And on the other side, you have your own mind telling you like something is wrong. And so to make a long story, I mean, it's already a long story, but, um, So essentially what happened is I decided, I was like, I need to start trusting myself. And part of that is reducing my training. Part of that is recognizing that me not having a period is is actually a problem. And, And understanding that like I enjoy eating food. And when I was in that period of dieting, I didn't enjoy food. And, and so I thought about it so much. And I think we get when we're dieting, we end up thinking about food so much. And part of it is because if I tell you, Francis, don't think about a pink elephant, you're going to think about a pink elephant. And this is what happens. (laughs) Exactly. And this is what happens when we end up when, or when we start dieting is we end up trying not to think of the pink elephant. And that's all we can think about. So what about simplifying so that you can have more healthy eating? Like, um, like instead of weighing and measuring everything, how would you in a practical way go about simplifying your eating so that you are like getting your goal of being healthy without like, without it being like too extreme? So I just want to really, I want to clarify that the, what I was eating at that time that I was dieting, that was not eating for health. That was eating for performance and aesthetics, which I think that we often confuse. And I think that that's something that is confusing because we see people that look very athletic or, or people that train for performance and their bodies reflect their training. And so we think, oh, if I eat like this person, I'll look like this person. And that's just not true. First of all, nobody can ever look like anyone else. We're all individuals. And then on the other side is there is there is this this belief that like health, like abs are not necessarily healthy. Like my body type is I genetically am predisposed to have more visible ab muscles, whereas you may be more genetically predisposed to show more arm muscle. And so I think we also forget this because we see on social media, we see wherever like, oh, I want abs. And it's like, well, genetically, you may not be predisposed, predisposed to have abs, no matter what your, like, no matter what your body fat percentage is. And so when I look at eating for health now, and, and this is, this is something that, I mean, I work with my clients on mindful eating with, on the principles of mindful eating. And so I think people like to think that like mindful eating is essentially like, oh, just pay attention to what you eat. Mm-hmm. And it's so much more than that because part of mindful eating is actually making decisions based on nutrition and nutrition is not dieting. Nutrition is understanding what are proteins, carbs, and fats, what are vitamins and minerals? How does my body use those nutrients? How much of these nutrients is ideal for me to be healthy? And then you can make a decision to say, Hey, I understand that I can eat for optimal health. 
And if I have a goal, like a, a physique goal of perhaps like losing some body fat, what that looks like is slightly different. But when I like, for example, when I work with a client, my ultimate goal is always to eat for help first. And then if weight loss or weight, I've worked with both clients that want to lose weight. I've worked with clients that want to gain weight, whether weight gain or weight loss is the goal. It's looking at how do we vary? How do we deviate the, the little, the least amount possible from optimal health in order to reach those goals? And how do I teach you how to trust your body to to actually interpret what's happening. And so that means like when you, when you feel hunger, what do you do about it? Right. When you eat, when you eat a, a balanced meal, how do you feel? Oh my God. You're reminding me of a story, Jillian, when you feel hunger, like if you have a goal to lose weight, what you might do is just push the snooze button and then you might Mm -hmm. push the snooze button again and push the snooze button again. And then the bad thing that could happen is, well, then you hit it snooze so many times, you might just like grab something really bad for you and eat that after mm-hmm. all of that. This is the way into the story is I remember one time traveling with my family. And at this time we had shifted, we've gone all over the place. We've gone vegetarian, vegan. At a certain point, some family members were before family was even a family come from a place of a lot of meat. There was, you know, alcohol smoking, kind of all of this was, was in the mix you know, so there's like the full experience of all of these different things. So this particular phase, we were in a, a, a moment of um, not eating meat. So there was a big trip to the family for Thanksgiving. And I remember a, the long table set, <laughs> you know, and, and just it being so hard to like not have like the turkey with family. And then, you know, when you don't have other sort of like vegetarian options or vegan options, the, the, the side dishes just seem so like unsatisfying or your plate looks so empty, you know? And so we went through that whole process, but then on the plane back, it was like, this was back when food was being served on planes, like regularly. I just remember we ate this, like just yicky, like Turkey on the plane. It was like so bad. Like we missed that time with our, our family of having that, but then you know, so pushed off, pushed off, pushed off. And then when we broke down was like on the plane, on the, on the way uh, back to New York. So. Yeah, no, it's so, it's so interesting that you bring that up because I think that there's a couple things that, that happen here. And I think one is that we're being told by so many, especially like any, anybody out there that's listening to this, that is trying to lose weight or has worked with a dietitian before or worked with like a nutrition coach, depending on what that person was like, maybe they told you like, no food is fuel. And it's like, okay, food is fuel and food is also connection, relationships, love, care, culture, nourishment. It's all of these things. And so it's like, I I say to people all the time, I'm like, the first time you went on a date with your partner, you probably ate something. Like any family event you go to, you probably have food there. Like anytime you get together with your girlfriends, there's probably some food involved. And so to tell someone like, oh no, food is just fuel. Like you just need it to, uh, like it's the gasoline that goes in your car. It's like, well, it's not just that you guys, I'm sorry. And, and when we do reduce it to that, we're taking away all of these other amazing things that come along with the joy of eating. And so I think people, and I hear people say all the time, they're like, well, I can't lose weight or I can't, you know, I can't eat healthy because I love food. And that to me just means that they are in a pattern 
in which they're not understanding all of the facets of what food means to them are. Does that make sense? I think so. I mean, but then how do you deal with that though? How do you find that balance? That is such a good question. And the way to find that balance, the first step to finding that balance is awareness, right? You can't fix what you're not aware of. And I think so many, so many people, they have an idea of what's going on, but they don't know what's really going on. And that's because sometimes holding up that mirror is kind of scary because you can only be as honest with other people as you are with yourself. And so, for example, when I, when I work with someone, I ask them before we start to do a five day food diary. And this is not so that I can be like, oh, you shouldn't have eaten that. Cause I literally will never do that to anyone because I think that that food shaming and body shaming is just, it's not the way to help someone change, but it serves as like, Hey, okay. It helps me because I have an awareness now of what we're working with right now, but also it helps you as the client because you now have an idea of, oh, this is actually what I'm eating. And from there, oh, go ahead. Well, what, um, would you have, so I know there are many apps out there now you can, there's like, I think uh, my fitness pal is one where you can kind of log your food and so on. Would you recommend something like that? Or would you just literally like on purpose say, write it on paper? Like how would you So that's it. It's an interesting question because it depends. And a lot of the answers that I give people with nutrition are like, it depends what I find. So my fitness pal can be, or, or any of these apps can be amazing tools, but like any tool you can use them incorrectly. And so what we're seeing is that a lot of individuals that are using my fitness pal to track food, there's a couple things that are happening. One, they're using it as a restrictive tool to say, Oh, I'm only eating X amount of calories per day. Or two, they're using it incorrectly in the sense that like what they're logging is not actually accurate. And so they say like, Oh, I'm only eating, you know, 1500 calories a day, but really it's like completely wrong. And so I actually prefer to just like either you can use my fitness pal to just tell me the items that you're eating. And then if you do weigh and measure, like, cool, put the weights in there. That's helpful. Um, but I really just like it like written down either in a note on your phone, you can write in a notebook, you can do it in, in a Google doc. Um, but that is a really great, just awareness tool. And, it, and if you can put measurements with it, fantastic. But I think what happens is we become very attached to like the numbers when we're using an app. And often those numbers like don't mean anything unless you have the knowledge to understand the context. Okay. Okay. So if we, I think the, the impetus to maybe start to self-restrict immediately could easily happen. Oh, totally. Especially because a lot of these apps like will calculate your calories for you and they're wrong. <laughs> like, <laughs> like just, sorry. I, I mean, <laughs> and the reason that they're wrong is because they can't take into cons- like a human being calculating a calorie intake for you is very different than a machine. Not that machines are wrong all the time, but like there's nuance. There's definitely nuance. Yeah. And the other thing that comes to mind is, you know, I have a friend who is using uh, my fitness pal and, and recently, you know, w- what will happen is, you know, we're, we're about to have something and they'll be like, Ooh, do you think that's half a cup? Or is that like, three thirds of the like there's this kind of visual discrepancy between, you know, what it, how much are you actually having? You know, like, I think it's a little challenging and and, um, yeah, it can be. And I think it, as I said, it can be a really helpful tool, but it depends on the individual. Like if you're someone like I was very obsessive about it for a very long time and now 
I I'm at a point where like, I don't track, I can like eyeball, I know more or less like what worked for me, but also paying attention to like, what is my hunger level? Like, what is my satisfaction level? Like, and so I think that there's, you know, people often want to jump to like, Oh, I'm just going to listen to my body and like eat intuitively or whatever it is. And it's like, well, if you don't have, again, if you don't have context, it's really hard to do because I think that there's like, there's something to be said for how intelligent our, our organism is where it's like your body actually will tell you if you need protein, but you, you know, you need to know how to listen. Like you need to know what that feels like. And if you don't have experience listening and paying attention, it's like, you could, t- you know, I speak Spanish and I could speak to you in Spanish, but like, if you don't speak Spanish, it's not going to mean anything to you. Right. And so if I tell someone, like if, if, you know, someone is, decides, oh, well, I just want to start eating intuitively. I'm just going to listen to my body, but they don't have any context for what to listen for. Um, yeah. Then that doesn't like, that's not useful. Okay. It reminds me of this idea of like when working with people that haven't done much with exercise mm-hmm. and then, um, you know, if you haven't worked with your body and you don't know what it feels like to feel a stretch. And then what you say is, Oh, I feel pain. Exactly. Right. It's well, okay. That's actually, that's actually normal. (laughs) And that's a stretch and you want to monitor how far you're feeling, you know, how much you're feeling. So, but it takes some getting used to and getting to know your body. I'm thinking of that song, getting to know you, like we're like getting to know all about you and, and your, um, you know, what's okay and what's not okay. Um, Yeah. And I think that knowing your body is like one of the absolute coolest things ever because the body is so amazing. It's so like, I remember for so long and I think about this now. And the only reason I'm really grateful for it is because without going, going like really, you know, swinging really far from one end to the other, I like, I've now gone kind of like the whole spectrum of like knowing what it's like to be like a binge drinker that smokes and like, doesn't act and like, you know, eats coffee cake for breakfast every day or no for actually in college. I remember, I think I ate coffee cake for every meal for like a week, which is one of those things where you're like, Oh my God, like, how are you not dead? Um, but now, you know, now having gone through like that end of the spectrum and then the end of the spectrum where it's like literally weighing and measuring every single thing that went into my mouth and, and being here at this moment where it's like, I feel really comfortable in my body most days. I say most days because I think be, having like feeling uncomfortable in your body or having a bad body image day is normal. It's totally normal. And and, you know, I exercise in a way I exercise less than I used to more than I have at some times in the past. Um, but finding a way to actually pay attention to what those body signs are like, like knowing, for example, today is my rest day. And I woke up this morning. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm excited. Today's my rest day. I feel it. Right. Whereas we may simply look at a program like a fitness program and be like, no, well, today's not a rest day on the program. So I can't rest today. Or you know, perhaps if I had woken up today and been like, oh, I feel fantastic. Like, I feel like going for a run, like having the flexibility to do those things is part of listening to your body, but it comes with practice. And so that is like the main, the bulk of the work that I do is helping individuals get in touch with what those feelings are like in the context of food and movement and also creating habits that support what that vision looks like. Because I think it's, it's normal that we're, you know, that, that people say like, oh, well, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to only listen to my body 
because I feel like my body will just tell me to eat pizza all the time. And like, I know that from experience that that's not true, but I think that that's the fear that people have is like going from one end, you know, going from like high restriction to full permission is really scary. And so I guide people along the path of like, I've been restricting, I have these rules around food, like how do I start to become flexible with myself again? So in, a, in essence, you're looking at creating a map, mm-hmm. right? And, and, and there's this phrase um, that comes from NLP, like sometimes, you know, you will, well, okay, first of all, you need to find your baseline. Where are we now, right? Where are you on the map, right? And then uh, once you create the map, the other thing is if you're learning to work with your trusting your own body, your own self, well, sometimes the map is not the territory, right? You might have the map and then you get, you're on the ground and then that stream is, you know, it rained and now it's fuller and you got to go around another way, right? So is that kind of like, you need to kind of work in layers then like that? Yeah, it, like- it's, it really is. It, it is a lot of layers and it's also built, like being okay with flexibility. So a lot of the, the, the people that I work with are very all or nothing thinkers. They're very much like, I'm either going to be like keto, intermittent fasting, like workout five days a week, or I'm ordering pizza every night for dinner. And that's not because either one of those actually feels really good for them. It's because they're worried that if they, you know, work out a couple days in a row and then order a pizza and then the next day maybe have a salad that like that's not going to get them to this ideal that they have in their mind of where they want to be. But the, I mean, we hear this all the time. How many people do you know? And I'm sure you see this in exercise where it's like they're very, they they're go all in on a program or go all in on a diet. And then you talk to them like a month down the road and you're like, how's that going? They're like, oh God, terrible. What does that, is that, um, yeah, but what does that, what leads us sort of to like this idea of like yo-yo dieting on again, off again? Yeah. Yeah. And yo-yo dieting is like, it is one of the, I would say that one of the biggest contributors that I see in my clients to negative body image and also this, this feeling of like, well, if I, if I don't restrict, I'm never going to get what I want. But, which is weird because when you think about it, you have this mentality of like, if I don't have rules around food, I'm never going to see what I want with my body, but all of the rules around food still haven't gotten you to where you want to be with your body. So it's like, we're, we're trying to use the same medicine that poisoned us in the first place. Oh my God. So what do you do with that? Like, what do you do if someone comes to you and they're like, that's their, that's their scenario. Like they're, tr- they have all these rules and restrictions. They're still not where they want to be. And mm-hmm. then they talk to you, like, how, how do you unravel that? Like, what do you do? So, and this is something that if you're listening, you can do this yourself is understand like what is really important to you. And so I, I talk a lot about, and, and also, um, on the podcast that I do with, with my two other podcast hosts who are also female coaches, um, we talk a lot about vision or sorry, about, uh, about, uh, values. Um, and values are understanding, like, what are the core principles that are important to you in your life? And people often, when I'm doing this exercise with clients, they're like, oh, do you mean like that my values, like for fitness and health? I'm like, no, 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 no. Like your values for your life, because we can't like, I mean, you think about it, like you can quit drinking, you can quit doing drugs, you can quit smoking, but like, you cannot quit eating. So you cannot extricate eating from your life. Like it's not something that you can separate. 
And so we talk about like, what's actually important to you? Why do you have the goal that you have? And when we start digging into the, why do you have the goal that you have? Like, what does it mean to you? Then you often understand that like the goal isn't necessarily to lose 10 kilos. The goal is to like feel more loved in their relationship. The goal is to feel confident enough to go out on a date. The goal is to, you know, go to a high school reunion and, and not feel like you let yourself go. Right. And so there's all of these different reasons or, or the goal might be like, I want to lose weight because my doctor told me that I need to for my health. There's so many different reasons why people want to change their bodies. So if you look at what your values are, then that's going to give you your why and that's mm-hmm. going to be motivated. Right? And I'll give you, so I'll give you a really good example that I like to use a lot. And this is like, if one of your values is connection, like connection, say it's really important for you to feel connected. And I think that this is something that so many of us share this value. And, you know, in the last year, it's been really hard to, to feel connected to people. And we're also seeing that people aren't feeling as connected. We're also seeing disordered eating and emotional eating, um, coping mechanisms related to food are, are all on the uptick. I think there's like, I don't, I don't know the statistic, but eating disorders went up by so much this year. And part of it, I think has to just do with like, we're not getting the, the love and the connection that we need. Um, but going back to my original point is, If connection is one of your values and you decide to go on the keto diet, for example, and on the keto diet, like you don't know what the keto diet is, it's essentially a zero carb diet, like no carbs, very high fat, low to moderate protein. And so say, you know, one of the things that you do as a family is Friday nights in summer, you go to your fate to the, the local ice cream store and everybody gets an ice cream cone and you enjoy your ice cream with your family. And, but on the keto diet, you can't do that. So does the keto diet sound sustainable for you? Like, does the keto diet sound like something that you're going to want to do? No. And, but people are like, yeah, but it's a great way to lose weight. I'm like, cool. But does it matter if you change your body or are you looking to maintain a change over the long term? And so when people actually understand this connection between values and what their goals are, then we can start talking about, cool, what's the roadmap to get you there? And usually that starts with small changes to their nutrition and small changes to not just what they eat, but how they eat. So this eating speed is a big one. Like how quickly do you eat? What do you do while you're eating? Uh, how well do you chew your food? And what are you thinking about when you're eating? Oh my God. Wait, I just want you to repeat that. Right? Like, like, okay. Or let me, let me, I'll repeat it and see if I got it. Okay. Okay. So speed mm-hmm. while you're eating, what you do, mm-hmm. how well you chew your food and then what you're thinking about. Was that the last yeah. one? Yeah. Yeah. What you're thinking about. And then, and then also the, the last one that is, it's, it sounds simple, but can be really difficult if you've been dieting for a long time is learning what your hunger feels like. Learning what your hunger feels like. You mean yeah. hunger in general, or is this with regard to like um, feeling aware of specific things that your body is asking you for, like protein or something like that? Oh, this is so layered. This is so layered. And so we start at like the, if we start at the top, it's literally just understanding what physical hunger feels like. Okay. Because a lot of hunger is that like, am I really hungry or am I just bored like that? Yeah. It's like understanding is like, what does physical hunger feel like? And how is that different from emotional hunger? Right. Mm-hmm. So that's like the, that's like the two sides of it. So it's understanding like, how does my body feel when it needs nutrients? Mm-hmm. And then what other, like what emotional things are driving me to want to eat? 
Because those are two different things. And then we go like a layer deeper and understand, okay, there's actually a bunch of different emotional reasons why we eat, right? Mm -hmm. And some of them are triggered by like just seeing something and being like, ooh, that looks really good. And others are like, maybe you, you smell something that reminds you of home and, you know, and, and so you want to eat because exactly like there are certain smells that you're just like, oh, that reminds me of something comforting. Right. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just talking about a a food. Sometimes it's hearing someone crunch on something. You're like, Ooh, like I really want that. Or hearing someone talk about a food on TV. Um, but there's also things that like, when you're, you know, when you're lonely, like your heart actually hungers for, for connection, for love. And so when we can start to identify what those things are, we can start to work on self-care pieces that satisfy those other things. And so for example, um, uh, I'll give you an example. I have a client who she has two young kids, um, and she is in the house all the time. She's, she does all the shopping, all the cooking, all the cleaning, takes care of the kids. The kids are sick all the time. Um, you know, and so she never has time for herself. The only time she has time for herself is after the kids go to bed and she eats two pieces of chocolate. That is her self-care time. So part of the work that we're doing together is finding other ways that she can spend time for herself. And so that is not to tell her like, no, you can't eat chocolate. Like I don't put foods off limits for my clients because that's ridiculous. Like that's not to be like, don't eat the chocolate, but it's to understand like you can care for yourself in other ways. Yeah, you can um, self-soothe, you can... um feed your soul in other ways, right? Like, exactly, exactly. And, and so it's not to say, like, I think we've demonized emotional eating and emotional eating is not a bad thing. Like most eating is emotional. Like if I like go out on a date and have a really great date and we eat food together, like that's emotional eating. Like, cause I'm not eating, like I'm probably too nervous to actually be hungry. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and so that's emotional eating or like sitting around with your best friend and like, you know, sharing some cookies or whatever, like that's also probably emotional eating. So a lot of the eating that, that we do is emotional. I think the problem with emotional eating is when it is unconscious emotional eating, when it is, I feel a certain way, I'm not accepting or recognizing how I feel, or I am, or I'm being like, oh yeah, I'm sad, but whatever, I'm not going to deal with the sadness. And then that, and then that causes eating. That's the, the part that we want to look at. So, that, so if we go back to kind of the, the, so the how is about eating, like the speed, like what are you doing while you're eating? Um, are you chewing your food? What are you thinking about? Um, and then um, there was one more. Uh, like just recognizing your hunger. Recognizing your hunger. Um, so what are you doing while you're eating? Like you actually are not conscious of, like you're like, uh, so I'm t- kind of tripping over this one a little bit. Um, you think about, I'm talking about being unconscious of like what's happening and, and then yeah. eating. Right. Um, so what are you thinking about? Like, um, maybe you're stressing and then you just grab food and, and you start to, well, and I think it's, it's, it's almost even simpler than that. It's like when you're sitting down to eat, like, are you eating in front of your computer? Are you eating in front of the TV? Are you eating in front of your phone? Like, where is your mind? Are you thinking about the big presentation that you have? Are you thinking about, you know, your next meal? And so it's like, we hear so many people talk about, oh my gosh, well, I love food. And it's like, well, you love food, but you're not paying attention to it. 
and it's different. I think when you, um, when you're thinking about when you're like, imagine like if you're like in a really bad place and then you just like start eating, like what do you, there's an effect that that has on your body. You're not going to digest it as well. You're not going to be taking it in as well. Like there's like, I guess the emotions that go with it as well. So, yeah, I think what you're talking about is like the effect that stress has on our nutrient absorption. And so it actually, the, when we are eating in a stressed out state, it actually affects the way that we digest food. And so a really simple thing, and this is something that anybody can do. And, and one of the things that I work on a lot with my clients is taking a couple really deep and you as a yoga teacher, you know, like Ujjayi breathing, like deep into your belly, taking a couple really deep breaths before you eat can be incredible. And that is something that is so simple that if you were to just start today, like if you were to start today, like two, two main things, the two main things would be before you start eating, take a deep breath in through your nose, fill your belly with air, deep breath out through your mouth. Try to make your exhale a little bit longer than your inhale. That actually slows your heart down. It relaxes you. It relaxes your body, right? The second thing would be just to put your fork and knife down between bites. Oh, wow. That's a great practical tool. (laughs) Yeah. So those two things will make big changes to the way to the way that you actually eat food. Oh, my God. Just take a moment, breathe before you eat, and then to put your utensils down in between the bites. That's um, like, I'm going to try that. (laughs) Yeah, do it. Do it. And let me know how it goes. Yeah. I mean, this actually kind of like feeds right into like, at this point, I would probably usually ask you, you know, like, what are a couple of quick tips that you've already given them, right? But if you had, if you wanted to think of like anything else, like, um, like a simple quick tools, like that our listeners can, can take away with them. I think those are already great ones. Like, yeah. So I can, because I've already given you guys a couple simple, quick tools. Can I present a possibility to, yeah. So I want to open you up to the possibility because I think that we spend a lot of time trying to change ourselves out of hate, trying to change ourselves out of dislike, trying to change ourselves out of disgust and this belief that like, I'll like myself when, and I want to present a possibility to you that you can, can simultaneously accept who you are now, appreciate who you are now, and still have the desire to make changes. And that is treating yourself with kindness and treating yourself with love, the outcome is going to be very different and the process is going to be so much more enjoyable. And I think that often we forget that it's okay to like yourself now because we're told that like, you know, we see these before and after pictures and the, the after is always so much, so much more celebrated. And it's like the before is fine. And I've, I, I have a post on, so on, on Instagram that was actually like, Hey, there is absolutely nothing wrong with wanting to change your body, but also there's nothing wrong with your body right now. And I know that there's like a lot of people would probably be up in arms hearing me like, oh, but you know, the obesity epidemic and like people need to, you know, people's BMIs are too high. And I'm like, okay, but you like you screaming at the top of your lungs, like you people are not okay. Like, is that helping anyone? Like, is that, is, is that improving any, anyone's desire to actually treat themselves with kindness it's not it's just making everyone feel shitty about themselves sorry i don't know am i allowed to curse okay (laughs) and and i think it's also this is alongside the possibility of 
you may, you don't need to go a hundred percent all the time. You can be flexible with yourself and being flexible with yourself will actually lead to better, more consistent results than being hard on yourself. You know, you're reminding me of this is, this is kind of a silly off, off, off the side um, image that I just saw this morning um, was a friend shared a video of literally, it was like a race between a tortoise and a hare, like literally, like they had set up a little pen. And I think that the, there was a peacefulness about the tortoise and he just sort of like continued. Right. And then, but the hare was sort of like, it went like kind of like quick, quick, quick. And then it sort of got distracted and you know, and, but then literally the tortoise won because it just kept going. But I think that what I'm hearing is like, they have just sort of a peacefulness with being okay with where you are being okay. Like if you're, you know, a tortoise and, and just like, like, you know, whoever you, you are as your own person, and then just like continuing to like, look at the long view. And even mm-hmm. if there isn't a side to just rest and just be peaceful with it, I guess the peacefulness of, of that, like, continuing, even if kind of things ebb and flow a little bit and just to be, you know, okay with who you are. Totally. And I think that there's a big fear around like, well, if I'm at peace and if I accept myself, I'm never going to change. I think that that's the big fear is like, if I accept myself, like that's not okay because I'm never going to see the changes that I want. And I completely disagree with that is like, you can accept yourself as you are now and still want to make changes. And this is something like in business, for example, in my business, it's like, I can appreciate all of the progress that I've made and still want to continue to do better. Like just recognizing, and and this is, so one of the, the big, 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 big pieces that I work on with my clients, or I work on with my groups is self-compassion and self-compassion. I think we often have this fear that if I'm, if I go easy on myself, I'm just going to give up, but that's not the case. When we actually have compassion for ourselves, we open ourselves up to the possibility of like taking different directions. We open ourselves up to being like, Hey, like today was hard. What worked, what didn't let's figure out how to make it work better next time. Excellent. What a forgiving way to just like be with yourself. That's excellent. Exactly. And I think that like some people hear this and they're like, man, that's just hippie, hippie shit. And I'm like, no, it actually works. It works really well. Um, and, and it, it works really well. Like I have, I have a couple of clients that, you know, have been working with me for a while now and they've both, you know, we're both considered to be, um, you know, clinically obese. We're both at a point in their health that they were really not, it wasn't working for them. Um, and we've gone step by step to change habits. And there, when, when we talk that it's never a question of like, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to not do this, this, this thing this way. It's like, this is how I live my life now which is like not what we hear usually when people go on a diet. It's like, oh, I can't wait to get back to, you know, eating bread again or whatever it is. And you're on the yo-yo diet again, right? Exactly. And, but this is, you know, when I talk about these two clients, like both of them have been with me for, for a couple of years now, which is a commitment. Most people don't want to make that kind of commitment, but it's like, you have to live in your body for the rest of your life, whether you like it or not. Yeah. That's amazing amazing it's really heartwarming to kind of hear that 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 kind of progress um you know that that with the consistency um can really make a change and so changing change little habit changes over mm-hmm. time 
right? I'm, I'm visualizing the little tortoise, tortoise, like every step is like a little habit change, a little habit change, a little habit yeah. change. Be peaceful with ourselves. And, um, and then also take into consideration like our values and what do we want out of life? Like, and how does that all mesh together? You know, totally. we want to be able to live a nice, long, healthy life and enjoy our time with our friends and our family. And, you know, I mean, I know the values are going to be slightly different for everybody, but I think love and, and connection are, are huge, right? Yeah. I think that, you know, as humans, we thirst for, for connection and for relationships. I read something the other day that it was like, there has been like, people actually have like touch hunger. Like they're like, they, like people are thirst, like essentially like thirsting and starving for touch because we've been living in, in a world for the last like year and a half where touch hasn't been the norm. And it's crazy because I realized this recently, like I'm a very, like one of my love languages is touch. And I realized this recently when I was, I was hugging someone and I was like, oh my God, this feels so good. Yeah. And and it was like, I've always enjoyed hugging. Like that's always been my thing, but it was just that feeling of like melting into someone else's touch. Um, and I feel like when we don't realize that we need these things, that's when it kind of starts to come out in other areas of our lives. Like whether it's the way, you know, the way we exercise or don't exercise, whether it's in the way we eat, um, whether in it's, it's in our, you know, our self-care or, or how much we like stress ourselves out about work or whatever it is. And <sighs> I mean, it's not, it's not easy. Yeah. The awareness, I think I, sometimes I used to say awareness is 80% of the solution because oh, yeah. you don't know. Right. And then, you know, once you do, then you have a choice. And then I think, you know, you can also be aware, is it, is what you're doing working? And then maybe you, you might want to get help, you know, like sometimes you have to just like break down and get help and, and then, you know, and support and in whatever way, you know, like, um, you know, in, you know, potentially working with someone like yourself or maybe getting a, a, a buddy that you're doing it together with, you know, I had like um, what I called my course buddy, you know, we, we kind of met each other on a business platform and it was like, oh, we're, we're kind of on the same wavelength here, you know, let, let's, get, let's get together and we'll, we'll work through this course together. And so just having any kind of support, like really kind of, you know, makes things happen. Um, Oh, Francis, you're so right. That community support is so important. And that's actually why I'm shifting to taking on more groups at the moment, because I'm seeing as I continue to do more groups, that community support and, and having women and women and men. I mean, I, I actually have, it's funny because a lot of people say like, oh, well, it seems like your marketing is more for women. Honestly, like my, my client base is like split right in half. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, having that support, whether it is one-on-one -on -one with a coach, but honestly, I'm seeing now that as I do more groups, having other individuals that are going through a similar situation as you is so uplifting and so empowering because you not only hear their struggles and identify with their struggles, but you also hear their wins and you can identify with their wins and you can help understand like, oh, how did they get there? Oh my gosh, that's possible for me too. Yes, that's exciting. That's exciting. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. If our listeners wanted to find you, where's the best place they could find you? So I would say I am most active on Instagram and Clubhouse, but I would definitely say go to my Instagram. It is bite size nutri. Nutri is like nutrition, but without the T I O N the, at the end. Um, and, and on clubhouse, same, same username. Um, but find me on Instagram and send me a message and tell me that you heard me on this podcast. That would just make me so happy. 
Oh, excellent. Good, good, good. And I'll put it in the show notes too. So that way, like it, it'll be a link that, that um, can be easily reached, which would be excellent. I Perfect. Would, if, you know, if, if in future you might want to come back again and we can kind of have another conversation, would you be up for coming on again in the future? Yeah, I'd love to. I think we could probably have a whole nother conversation around body image and, and what that means. I think that would be really cool. Let's do that. That sounds excellent. I, I, um, I look forward to it. I look forward to it. I mean, I, I feel like I'm so grateful for our conversation. I'm, I'm, I look forward to talking again soon, maybe about body image. And, and um, you know, I want to thank you so much for being on the show and, and um, you know, look forward to speaking again soon. Perfect. Thank you so much, Francis. This was amazing. Thanks so much. I really had a good time. And I think it's going to be helpful for a lot of people just to get inspired. All righty. Take care. Thanks. Thanks. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Based on what we talked about, I made a special download for you entitled Core Values Quiz. I hope this is a helpful tool for you. You can find it in the show notes and also on my website, www.taylorfitwellness.com. Take care. Have a great rest of your day. and look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks. Bye.